You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Welcome, everybody, to episode 55 of Cards and Cubes. We're your hosts. I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And today we're going to talk about burnout. And Christo's going to announce his retirement from gaming. <laughs> Uh, before we get into that, uh, Risto, this last uh, weekend here in uh, Salt Lake City, FanX happened, which is uh, the Utah version of Comic-Con. Have you ever been to to an event like that? Uh, actually, no. I never really understood the appeal of FanX. I mean, I like kind of nerdy stuff maybe if there's like a sci-fi convention as nerdy as that would (laughs) sound that might be might interest me more than something focused on like comics but uh for me the weird thing with fanex and what doesn't like sound amazing is when i go to something like that like something that appeals to saltcon uh to me is i want to go there and do stuff like i'm very focused on like what am i gonna do there and uh fanex just sounds like a bunch of people hanging out dressed up in weird costumes and just like nerding out about comic books and superheroes and whatever just like i don't know whatever fandom i guess you're uh, you yeah. belong to but yeah I, I think they have sort of like interesting things like panels and maybe discussions or something that's organized but like the appeal for SaltCon for me and just in general stuff like that is kind of uh and even like when i go to like uh an event for music or something is like the music not so much the experience with like talking to people or whatever but like the music and for saltcon it's like the games and like playing the games i kind of don't really care about like the vendors or i mean it's kind of fun to walk around and look at them but like that's not what i go for i go there to like play games so for fanex has kind of been really weird for me um just kind of like what do you what would i do there when i go you know <laughs> you would you would dress up like your favorite board game character yeah <laughs> and, i and guess then, uh, actually i went and like, people are gonna uh, be very confused yeah <laughs> I do nobody that. would know who you're yep. <laughs> you're dressed as some obscure character from lorenzo il magnifico <laughs> yeah um yeah i went uh several years ago with my brothers we actually dressed up as uh death clock Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about that, yep. Um, And, yeah, it was kind of funny to, like, have people stopping us to take pictures with us. Um, You know, not a whole lot of people knew who Death Clock was, but the the people who did were really, like, hardcore fans, and they were really excited (laughs) to see. see, uh, We had five of us there, so we had the whole band, uh, the whole band represented. Um, I actually think I remember seeing a sign about tabletop games being played at FanX, but it was like upstairs in a corner away from everything else. So there's <laughs> like, it was kind of like the uh, go hide in the corner thing. Yeah. The embarrassing <laughs> um, subsets of already weird nerds that go to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <event>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's like you said, you kind of go to conventions like that, I think, to maybe go to panels and see famous people in that space. And um, one fun thing about FanX is there's a kind of an artist's alley where um, basically a bunch of artists, local artists that uh, come sell their artwork. And I think when I went, there was uh, 
some of the guys that do art for Magic the Gathering were there selling stuff. And so there, there can be some cool stuff you you can pick up. Um, but so my uh, the reason I bring it up, my, my brother-in-law was in town and went with his friend um, who really wanted to go get a lot of things signed, which means <laughs> they dressed up and then went and stood in line <laughs> like all day. And he was just texting us and saying like, this is so stupid. <laughs> what am I doing? That sounds here? extremely <laughs> like boring slash bad <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Standing in line the whole day at the convention <laughs> to, to get yeah. a signature. Anyway. I think they went to a, a panel or something with Brandon Sanderson, um, an author, and, and then the rest of the day, I think they were kind of standing in lines. <laughs> but huh. uh, yeah, and it, funny enough, Gen Con was also last week. Yeah, I know I was seeing some pictures on Facebook from people like, oh, look at what I got from Gen Con. And actually, a lot of it was like games from last year. So I don't know. I didn't really see anything super new. But also, I haven't uh, embarrassingly looked at like a bunch of new releases for a while. So I've fallen a little bit out of the hotness and stuff. But yeah, I definitely noticed uh, people talking about it. Yep. Yeah, I... um haven't seen anybody post anything that uh, in our circles yet of what they got but um yeah not a lot of the large exhibitors were not at gen con so i think it was yeah. a bit of a different year yeah <laughs> i think they're starting these conventions and stuff but it's kind of awkward with like covid still kind of there with delta variant and stuff so i don't know if they're as big as they used to be or like they don't have the same feeling as they used to but uh it's good i guess that at least it's happening so yeah yeah well uh next time you can go and dress up as bob from time stories uh, yeah that's <laughs> no no thanks <laughs> favorite character from a game ever right <laughs> yeah uh something <laughs> like that yep yeah all right well enough of those shenanigans let's uh let's talk about some games we've been playing all right uh so i'm gonna mention these two first games really quickly uh you and i both played them and they're kind of smaller ish games um and it's ragusa and yukon airways so ragusa is a game uh designed by fabio lopiano and uh published by brain crack games this is i think his second design kalimala was like the first yeah, I one think i think kalimala was the first one Gregus was the second if i remember correctly maybe he had like a small game before kalimala or in between like some kind of card game i can't remember but yeah those were like basically his first two games yeah yeah so ragusa is an interesting one where um i think over the course of the game everybody has the same number of turns and I think we played a three-player game where everybody had 12 turns. And basically what you're doing is you're building up the city of Ragusa. Um, and to do that, you're placing little settlers of Catan-looking ha wooden houses um, on a grid of hexes. And uh, the hexes represent different either urban or rural areas around Ragusa. So you could either get kind of natural resources like uh, 
wood or stone or olives or you know whatever it is and then in the city uh, you have kind of maybe more commercial type actions where you're converting your um, your gathered natural resources into manufactured resources or you're uh, buying manufactured goods from boats at the dock or something like that and kind of true to uh, Fabio Lupiano's design style it seems there's kind of a lot of positive player interaction is is I think what what it, I'd call it where you are set like you're building your house on a hex and if somebody comes and later builds a house on that same hex like the whole hex activates in clockwise order so as you're putting more houses onto the board and other players are doing the same you're kind of activating each other as you go so you're not necessarily like destroying each other but you're kind of um you know making each other's actions happen again and again and and, and becoming better which is uh you know something that's also present in merv uh his latest game and he's got a game coming from board and dice soon called zapotec so i'll see i'm curious to see kind of how he iterates on this design philosophy uh, but anyway he he just seems to like positive player interactions the the game is fairly i don't know i would i'd call it mid-weight um it's not too heavy but i i found it fun to play i found it reminiscent kind of of merv but i think his design philosophy has been more refined in merv so i i enjoy merv more but um you know this this was fun it, it just kind of putting your houses on the board try to make your resources happen uh let Risto buy every single boat in the game and <laughs> then and then it's over so um i i think this gets a, a solid thumb up from me maybe not two thumbs i i enjoyed playing it what did what did you think this wasn't your first time playing right yeah it's like my third or fourth maybe time playing i can't remember um we played it a bunch a while ago and i haven't touched it for like two or three years so i kind of well it's a pretty straightforward easy game um it's like really straightforward actually maybe the most straightforward of all of his games but uh, it's kind of a game of very few turns. It's also over kind of quickly. It kind of came out at the, around the same time as Cooper Island, actually. And it kind of, they're very different games and very different, like, designers and styles and everything. But it kind of reminds me of that. It's kind of like a smaller, feels like some kind of a smaller format game because of just the number of actions you get, which is not many. I think Cooper Island is maybe slightly more involved because there's also tile placement, but basically in Ragusa you're just like collecting resources and cashing them out for points in some way. Uh, there's like three strategies which I think I don't know there's actually like two strategies that work I think the boats and the wall or or whatever fish um fish I've never really seen work uh, that's kind of a weird one but I'd like to see that work actually uh but it's basically like yeah you can kind of see people going for something and you try to it's a weird Kind of like, do I try to kind of join them, but you kind of join them later, or do you want to try to do something else? Uh, it usually kind of pays you to join people, but uh, it's got the, like you say, like uh, co-op, kind of semi-co-op mechanic, because you kind of want to be doing the same stuff as someone else so they can 
you can help each other by doing the same actions because the way it works is like if someone places around an action you are placed on already you get to do it again so it's like you do the same action again and again and again so it pays you to kind of specialize but it kind of if you do that you're going to get the same points right so you should probably do something else as well so it's got that thing going on but the cool thing is it's uh well i guess it's cool if you like it but it's a very simple straightforward game i think you'll remember kind of how to play for a while it's pretty easy to explain i don't know if it's like groundbreakingly awesome in some way but i kind of like it actually um out of his games it's maybe my second favorite after merv i haven't played zapotec though um yeah he only has like three games though i didn't yeah. like <laughs> i didn't like kalimalo kalimalo is very similar but i think in ragusa it's kind of less obvious how you're setting up people and kalimalo i think is way obvious how you're setting up people because you're literally placing on top of them and you're giving them extra stuff so i think it's like maybe he kind of learned from kalimalo and improved on his design even though kalimalo is rated higher for some reason average on uh, board game geek as i'm noticing but whatever anyway i like ragusa it's uh it's it's a good enough game and uh it's really appropriate how long it is for its wait because i think usually it's over in like less than an hour there's not that much to think about really yeah i think um maybe my one criticism of it and it's probably not really even a criticism because it's due to i think the wait and the the time that you play the game is that um i found it really hard to pivot um, yeah, 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 that's not a game you can pivot. I think yeah. you like go for a strategy and you make that work or die. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, there's, yeah, you really just kind of have to go pick something and go for it because there's not yeah. a whole lot you can do to get in somebody's way or pivot yeah, or yeah. you know kind of changes. And and the the length of the game doesn't really lend it to that. So I it. Yep. I guess my criticism is kind of like wanting it to be something it's not, but I I I like it for what it is, and it's it's yeah. a fun it, enough game. It is a little bit linear, like you say, basically like your first five turns. Then you can't be like, oh, I actually wanted to do this other thing because you have like seven turns to make the points happen. So <laughs> it's, it's yeah. that kind of game where you just like go for something and hopefully it works out. If it didn't, well, I'll play another game, I guess, and <laughs> yeah, try to exactly. make the other thing work. <laughs> yeah, and if that doesn't work, then just stop playing it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was it was fun. Uh so the other one I mentioned, Yukon Airways, is also kind of a uh medium-ish to light game. Uh and this is dice drafting with kind of pick up and deliver, but it's not really pick up and deliver. Uh basically it's almost like network building as well. yeah. I was thinking about it. They think you're like really, really building kind of a network by going places really thematically, but you're really kind of building like a scoring network. Yeah, but you don't really have like a lasting engine network of any kind. Yeah. It's just anyway. So the the way the game works, it's it. The theme is you're flying passengers around in the Yukon, and so e the game's played over. I think six rounds, um, and basically this at the start of the round it's a dice drafting phase. So you're like picking customers up from docks, and customers are dice and uh different colors dice are different colors of customers and so uh unless you have upgrades to your 
airplane, you can only pick up one color of dice from a dock, so you but you can pay money to like move dice between docks as many times as you can afford. And so you pick up these customers at the docks, uh, depending on which dock you go to has a certain action that happens or benefit when you pick that dock. And then depending on which dock you select will also determine the player order for the flying phase, which is where you then using these ticket cards, you fly your passengers to the different destinations in the Yukon, picking up colored cubes um, that if there are colored cubes at the site that match the color of your customers, then you uh, can get certain upgrades to your ship, like, um, you know, you have increasing your fuel or uh, uh, the ability to pick up different colored dice from the docks. So anyway, there's, there's a bunch of upgrades you can do to your airship. Um, and then each different location you visit, or I guess deliver customers to over the course of the game, plays into this end scoring and then one of the upgrades is actually a christmas bonus track which is just extra money at the end which equals points and you just kind of rent uh wash rinse repeat do that six times and then whoever has the most money wins at the end of the game um well i'm, I'm curious what what you what you thought of this game uh i had a really bad game <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> actually, I was reading the rules and I misunderstood one of the rules, which a little bit hampered my game, which we I didn't even mention on the chats afterwards. But anyway, uh, which was one reason. The other reason is I didn't really realize the impact of the network scoring, and maybe I was thinking about the game like really wrong. But I think this game actually has some potential. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. I was really kind of excited to try it because it looked really interesting. A lot of systems kind of mix, getting mixed in with like dice drafting and pick up and deliver and engine building. And the, that mix in theory sounds really good for what I like in games in general. Uh, there's a lot of, gosh, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of really situations that make you want to like flip the boards in the game which is very unfortunate <laughs> um the engine tell. the entire engine benefit is based on you picking up like uh specific colored cubes from the board which is pretty significant and you're like planning things and there's kind of a lot of planning in the game actually i was just like holy crap there's a lot to think about here with like you're holding these cards where they're they're the locations where you can go and all that planning can be just like ruined by someone going right before you in turn order um and that can happen in the game and then if you can't like flex to go somewhere else you basically are not gonna pick up engine benefits which <laughs> in an engine the, the entire game's engine building it's like pretty bad <laughs> yeah i would um, recommend doing that <laughs> also someone didn't pick up apparently any of the nearby cards on their first turn i don't know if they, they literally had none of them but i can see like how that could happen and that could be kind of painful as well uh basically there's uh some card luck i'd say in the game unfortunately uh also that i would do People are questioning the play order because the play order seems a little insane. Like if you go first, for example, you also go first to pick the next round. So basically you can remain first the entire game. And I wanted to confirm that we played that correctly and we did. And the designer's uh, feedback on that was, yeah, I had a guy who was doing that in playtesting, but he never won. So I thought it was okay. The reason you don't win is 
well, I don't know if you don't win. It's just kind of an annoying mechanic because the other spaces which you go later, the later you go, the better bonus you pick up. So basically, you should the 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 push and pull is like, do I want to go early and not get my uh, path ruined for picking up customers, as I was mentioning, or do I want to go later to pick up an engine benefit, but probably get my delivery path like ruined by someone who is going to go earlier in the game so i don't know a very interesting decision unfortunately like i say coupled with some card luck you're constantly drawing cards and hoping that like you the dice also roll where you can deliver to the right colors and everything lines up and things are just not going to line up sometimes yeah you can fix things with dice which is nice but the cards you can't really fix unless you just invest in drawing more cards which i don't know if i'm a fan of that as a fix mechanism but anyway uh no overall the game works though i think the game works fine uh, i'm interested in playing again sometime i think the game has potential it kind of looks bright and dumb but actually there's quite a bit to think about like i say just like a lot of planning you can literally sit there for like 10 minutes and plan uh things because sometimes you're not planning just what you're going to do which is maybe sometimes really easy but like what if someone else ruins what i'm going to do do i have a backup plan kind of a situation yeah <laughs> so yeah. you can you can really think about a long time what you want to do and what the sequence of things should be also your board has like 12 different things you can touch to upgrade your things so you're constantly kind of like improving some aspect of the game similar to ragusa um i don't think you can really pivot in the middle of the game and be like well i've invested in this card engine now i'm actually going to do this other thing um i mean everything kind of just helps you have a better game but uh, going for some kind of consistent upgrade path i think is the better way to go but yeah no overall i thought it was an interesting game like i say i will uh play again sometime kind of more thinky than i expected actually yeah if I have that's, any inputs. Um, that's exactly how i felt i was expecting to go into it and you know it'd be very very simplistic um but it did have a lot of planning and oh I and think, in our game someone was playing a role wrong which oh, like yeah. kind of ruined the whole game i feel because they yeah. were going really far and picking up these outside customers yeah. which made maybe the inner customers be picked up too easily because he wasn't picking them anyway they kind of like i feel like threw away the balance of the game so but to some extent i feel like i haven't really played it really <laughs> maybe yeah, well, i don't know we, we played the rest of us weren't cheating <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe the maybe the scores were kind of weird but um I, at least we got the feel for how it should yeah, play yeah, yeah. except yeah. one player was just like zooming to the faraway stuff and we we didn't realize um but yeah i think i have uh, similar criticisms uh as you did the the card system was somewhat frustrating um because so the way the card uh system works for the benefit of listeners is that on the front of the card each card has it corresponds to a location and to take one of your passengers to the location you have to play the ticket of that location which is the card you have to have the card yeah. basically for the location yeah. otherwise so you, you're not getting a guy from there exactly or well, or pay three the cards other, the yeah. other way to get there is you can play three cards face down and go anywhere 
or if you have an upgrade on your dashboard, you can play two cards face down and go anywhere. So if your engine is that you're drawing cards and you have the upgrade that lets you play fewer cards face down, then technically you could just always go wherever you want. But I don't know if... I don't know if that's the funnest way to play the game. Yeah, I actually don't think uh, that's a good idea because the cards have bonuses on them that you pick yeah. up and that throws away the bonuses, basically. I think uh, I'm not really a fan of these, like, when the game has cards and the mechanic of fixing luck is like, well, play two cards face down for something else. It's always better to have the right cards, obviously, in yeah, these kind exactly. of games. Like, you're just wasting... 50% of your cards on something. So, I mean, it's fine as a once in a while I screwed up kind of a thing, but I don't think you're organizing your whole game around that upgrade is a good idea. I think it's pretty yeah. bad. Like, I get, the, I get the reason behind wanting to not make it just incredibly easy to go wherever you want because it's a race to get the cubes and so you know, it's, but, but the race is then predicated on drawing the right card, which I don't know. Anyway, there, there are ways to mitigate but um yeah it's it's uh I'll, I'll need to play it more to see kind of if the card distribution just kind of works out because in my game i i was able to go generally where i wanted to the whole game um, but i also did invest in drawing more cards and having a larger hand so um you know maybe maybe that's just kind of you need to do a little bit of those types of things in the game to to mitigate the luck factor um but and and given the weight of this game, I was gonna say that um, you know I, I don't know if I would appreciate that the game like kind of forces you to do that every time to to mitigate the luck. But given the weight of the game, maybe that's just kind of like it's part of the formula of playing the game is you kind of generally have to draw more cards and have a larger hand size and then kind of pick yeah. and choose the other abilities you want. And maybe that's just part of like the necessary engine to do well. Yeah, the game is actually a very interesting mix. I was thinking about it of like uh, kind of chaos and planning because the dice and the cards are very chaotic and like people's decisions could be very chaotic as well what they drew and where they went and maybe it happened like right before you were about to fly um, and also a lot of planning because you can really like i say think about of a lot about where you can go and like what your backup variants are and that's a really strange mix but like i say i'm still interested in like playing the game and trying it out again so again so it should be um, i don't know there's i guess something there it's, it's, it's yeah. an interesting game yeah i i enjoyed it well what have you been playing um before what I've been playing, I want to see if it's actually his first game because it does feel kind of like a first game. Uh, he has done some, looks like lighter games before. The designer's Al-Ladoc. Uh, probably French. Sounds sounds French. or maybe, uh, uh, Canadian. Quebec, 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 Canadian probably. Or maybe not even Quebec, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I think it's his first kind of like larger game, it looks like, uh, which is kind of what it feels like to me. And, yeah, he actually yep. he actually grew up in the Yukon and uh, his dad was oh. a, a pilot. So this yeah, game is kind of like 
about that. Yeah, I was actually going to mention. Yeah, the we didn't really hard. hard uh, well, you mentioned the theme, but the game is actually about like bush planes, really, uh, which is these planes. Uh, I don't know if you've never heard of bush planes before. You should probably like go on YouTube and type in a few channels because I was actually looking at it, and I'll do that in like twenty years if <laughs> if I still can or something maybe. But uh, it's a really cheap way also to get into like aviation if you want. Also, kind of seems dangerous, but basically it's these planes with like usually like big tires or floats where they go not where commercial planes go they literally just kind of go like it's similar to like off-roading with cars basically landing on like next to lakes and random like fields and just wherever really so they're really all about like short takeoff distances short landing distances like big tires and experimental airplanes actually uh, which are also really cheap <laughs> so anyway the game is about flying those airplanes in like a more commercial thing which i guess happens up or used to happen i don't know if it does anymore maybe it's more commercialized now but in the yukon in uh canada so uh, pretty cool theme i don't know if the theme comes across like super well i guess you're like managing your fuel and picking up passengers and stuff uh, you're really worrying about matching cards with cubes with dice so it, i guess it comes through like as much as possible in this kind of game yeah, I thought it was pretty thematic. But the theme's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, which is also something that kind of attracted me to the game. It's not like uh, picking up uh, linen from Venice and delivering it to Egypt or something, you know. Anyway, yeah. Or some European city in the 1500s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we, ta we actually played Grand Austria Hotel with the newest expansion, Let's Waltz. Uh, a couple of times i've played it like three times now i think um i think i only played it two times but it came out and we brandon's actually really super excited about it and he wants to play it all the time um so we played it <laughs> a lot <laughs> over the last like month yeah. uh, nailed it all right, so what's Grand Austria Hotel? I think maybe we've talked about it before, maybe we haven't, but it's basically a dice drafting game of picking up dice. And what do the dice do? Actions. What are the actions? Uh, actually, it's thematically very similar to... Gosh, what's that movie with the hotel? I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I can totally see like Budapest. scenes from it. Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah. Uh the grand budapest hotel which is what's the director he's a really famous director i'm completely drawing a blank wes anderson yeah so like if you have seen the grand budapest hotel or wes anderson it's kind of i feel basically that's the game uh which I don't know if it was inspired by that officially or unofficially or unofficially. It's officially nothing has been said. But basically, you're kind of like picking up food as one of the actions or drinks or whatever, coffee like strudels or whatever, feeding them to customers who are thematically sitting at the restaurant or the cafe of the hotel. And after they have been fed, they go up and check into a room and you get points 
that's that's basically the game. You get points yep. for for feeding or uh, checking in people into a hotel. You're running a hotel. That's the theme of the game. Uh, the other actions that you can do by drafting dice are play staff cards, which just help you do better things. They basically power up your actions or let you do other actions or whatever. Uh, you can obviously ready rooms, which is the most fun action in the game. Just kidding. But you have to ready rooms. You have to take the action sometime. Um, and there's this emperor, apparently. I think it's like the Austrian emperor, maybe, who visits three times per game to check on your hotel and see how it's doing, I guess. I don't know thematically what it represents. I think a visit from probably the emperor. And according to how high you are on the emperor track, I guess you like build political influence. I don't know. It, it, I don't even think it's very well explained what you're really doing on the emperor track. You're like basically going up on this emperor track. But if you're high enough, he'll give you a reward. If you're low enough, he'll punish you. And that's another thing to worry about throughout the game is there's an action to do it or you can do it by serving certain customers or building certain room sections uh where you can go up on that track uh the game is kind of uh, by the same designers as lorenzo the, so the, the, they call them akitoka or the, the italian designers i guess in this case simone luciani and virginio gili or whatever uh so it feels kind of like Lorenzo to me as well. If you played Lorenzo Il Magnifico, actually Lorenzo came out later. So maybe Lorenzo feels like Grand Austria Hotel. I actually didn't realize that. I thought Lorenzo was the earlier game, but that's crazy. So Grand Austria came out first. Uh, very similar, the track where you get checked and the dice drafting kind of mechanics are similar-ish. Lorenzo is a little bit more engine building. Uh, Grand Austria hotels kind of you can do some planning but it's more about like instant combos or finding combos with actions that you can do but yeah basically you're running a hotel uh, what does the expansion do it just gives you like another resource it adds these ballrooms so there's yet another thing to worry about so it's not just the emperor but throughout the game you get scored on these ballrooms where you can load people who are dancing in addition to the room so now you have a choice of like does the customer you serve go up into into a room or does it go up to the to dance to the ballrooms uh there's different implications depending on that the game's pretty combo heavy it's definitely i'd say like resource management pretty heavy kind of some planning you want to set up like exact combos to happen in a certain order so if you like resource management games i think and dice drafting i think this is like really good match anyway um what did you think about the expansion trevor or the base game or whatever i really like the base game um i i like dice drafting games in general uh, so this is kind of right up my alley and and the resource management conversions is is a lot of fun contract fulfillment like a recipe fulfillment with the uh literally the, recipe like your yeah exactly. i guess order maybe <laughs> order fulfillment yeah. in this case you're fulfilling their orders in the cafe yeah so you take the people up to their rooms and lock them in and put them to sleep <laughs> Sometimes uh, they help you prepare rooms, so they're like, <laughs> uh, they clean up the next the, the room next door. There's yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> not, not very thematic, uh, but anyway, or it they, works. Or they take uh, several rooms on the same floor and, and close other doors. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that is thematic because maybe they're like come with like security or something, you know. Yeah. But I think it's hilarious that some of them were like, "Oh, you, I'll just uh, prepare two rooms here. I'll bring bring my cleaning crew, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so the expansion adds a couple modules. Uh, the let's so the dancing module with the ballrooms, I think, is a is a really nice addition because it basically kind of gives you options um, in the game. Whereas otherwise, you might be stuck trying to like fulfill recipes or orders um, for customers that you haven't prepared a room yet. Um, the option is every time you fulfill an order you can either send that customer to the uh to a room or you can send that customer to the ballroom if you have enough champagne so i like that it gives you options there um and i think just in general with the expansion people are filling more orders and scoring more points um so the game's a little bit more explosive in that way um Another module adds in these, uh, I guess, famous characters and who are drafted using colored dice, um, depending on where they are. You can like, if you draft a die that corresponds to their color, you get that character for the round and they may give you bonus that results in more points or more resources or, um, you know, just kind of uh, action booster and I think that's a nice. I think that's a nice touch to the game. It it adds another decision point that isn't overly complicated, but um, is nice. Um, another module I think is the turn order module. Um, this one is somewhat controversial. Uh, it, so the 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 way turn order works in the base game is kind of a snake, where you know the first player would draft, then second, and then you you draft all the way down to the last player and then the last player would draft again and then it would and then it would snake back to the first player so the first player gets to pick first and last in a round the turn order module changes that to where it's just you continue drafting in clockwise order but then there's a space on the there's an action in the on the main board that you can take first player which then I think allows you to do a one strength action of any of the actions and get one of the basic resources of your choice. Um, the first game we played with that module, we were all kind of like, well, that was dumb <laughs> because none of us took that action the whole game. But then we played it again and I think we took that action several times. So I think maybe the first time we just kind of didn't appreciate the benefit of it. I, I still don't know if I'm sold on playing with that module every time. I don't know that snaking is a bad way to draft. And in fact, it might be the better way to do it because you kind of, I mean, that's the spirit of this, this particular one is you kind of want the roles to be unbalanced and have a lot of dice in one pool so that you're first to go there. Uh, wh what did you think of that module? Uh, I'm actually not a fan of it, to be honest. Um, I kind of don't like when games, lately I've been thinking about it, when games have like a space to take first player. Um, I have pet peeves about that, unfortunately. I think um, two ways of handling that better are 
uh first player is the one who has the least points some games do that or first player is the one who passes first the previous round so maybe like the smallest engine or something which is like how guy project does it for example but i thought the base game is fine i'm kind of i'm i'm a fan of the snake draft in general i think drafting in a snake uh is better drafting than like going first and then first again basically i think it's more balanced um because if you're first player and you're just going in a circle you get a larger benefit and the last player is like really uh screwed in a way because they get last pick basically two times in a row but anyway the i think it's it's whatever uh apparently some people requested it which is really surprising to me i don't know who's a fan of that system but um also there's this weirdness of like they try to fix that thing where if you take first player also the player to your left is kind of like hey good times and then like the last player to right's like hate you forever by giving the lad the player to your right a coin or two so if it's three players they actually get a coin and if it's four players they get two coins uh, the player sitting to your right who is now last in the next round as a small compensation of basically uh, getting their kind of naturally shifting turn order delayed or shifted or whatever Uh, I don't know whatever but uh, I was going to say about the game in general the base game uh, and even the expansions I think they just do nothing to really address that in a way it's not really a problem but it has a fair bit of luck i think uh like trevor was saying if you're first player you're really hoping that the dice roll is unbalanced meaning like we rolled like five twos because if you rolled five twos you can get a lot of like the actions power depends on how many dice are rolled there so you want five twos so you can do like a really powerful action as first player and then the second player does a slightly less powerful action and the third player is like well i hate you guys (laughs) 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 so anyway uh the other thing is the cards come out in the in the river and the river is actually pretty thin there's only five cards and sometimes you want a particular color because there's like some combo that you've set up that uh is dependent on that color and yeah there's green cards which can be installed anywhere which is some mitigation so like they fix that to some extent but sometimes basically just you're kind of missing a color usually it's not a big problem though that's less of a problem for me i think usually you can make something work in that game um especially if you plan the heads which you probably should but sometimes it's just unfortunate that basically it's a card river and it's five cards long and if you want to go farther than the first two cards which is pretty thin you have to pay money and money is pretty tight in this game you need to save money to do things they can also make your actions slightly more powerful and spending your money on just getting to a card is not a good time in my opinion but it's it's a thing at least uh but yeah also there's this weird push your luck thing where if you don't like the dice you can just pass and then the other people keep playing and when everyone's done you throw away one die and you roll all of them (laughs) so here again you're hoping that either you roll the action at least once where you want to take an action or you want some action with like increased power which is a pretty tall order considering you're rolling probably like three or four dice and you're hoping for like multiples of the same number usually doesn't happen but usually you're sometimes desperate when you do that and anyway yeah it's 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 got some kind of rough edges which is consistent with when it came out which is 2015 uh i think later games 
probably improved on those things in some ways. Yeah, overall, it's uh, it's a good game though. I enjoy playing it. Uh, the the one module I think I didn't mention is that uh, they also add like these special hotels, which is basically just giving players asymmetric abilities uh, when you play. And from what I've seen, they're interesting to play with. Um, so yeah. So yeah, overall, I I like the game. I think the expansion's good. I don't know that I'd play with the turn order module every time. Yeah, um, the ex- the expansion in particular actually makes the game. But uh, I already I like the base game just fine. Actually, I thought it was pretty fun for what it is, even with like the kind of lucky aspects to it. The expansion really kind of increases the game, especially if you the game time, especially if you're playing with all the modules. Uh, some of the turns can be just ridiculously long, like. Uh, because the combos just get larger like you because of the dancers and because of the other things you can do and the new effects and just a bunch of uh, reasons also your hotels might do give you an extra action or resources or something you can have these like long chains of turns where like i fulfill this customer so i go up on this track then i trigger my hotel's ability to give me these resources to buy this customer to fulfill him so i can ready three rooms with that guy so i can fulfill this other customer who sends a ballroom dancer who gives me resource you know like this uh we i've i've just noticed that like in the base game basically it's like install a guy maybe get some resources maybe install two people in the same turn this one can really have some involved turns like i was like holy crap this this is going on for for a while but i have this turn where three people need to happen and they cause like an avalanche of effects that are happening i'm getting resources from the ballrooms anyway it's it definitely kind of ratchets up the game to something that's way larger than the original i actually kind of don't really recommend that you play with all the modules if you're new to the game you should probably play the base game to kind of get a feel of the game and then add the ballrooms because i think that's a better way to probably get introduced to how the game works because there's just kind of a lot to think about and turns can be very long and consequential sometimes yeah yeah i would agree i think uh our last play we got the play time down to about two and a half hours so we're we're doing yep. better <laughs> which is pretty crazy for the type of game it is as a comparison i think the base game is like an hour and a half or something if i remember correctly because there's yeah. just not that much to really think about in the base game but the mo- modules add like three more dimensions to think about and as trevor mentioned yeah the hotels they're they're interesting yeah the trend lately i think with games is asymmetric abilities is either an expansion or just a thing uh kind of reminds me of voyages of marco polo has the same thing asymmetric abilities bonfire now is coming out with asymmetric abilities it's it's all the rage and it's fun because the base game does feel a little bit more more linear. Now you feel kind of special because your hotel is does something that no one else does. So you can get focus on maybe some kind of strategy that's weirder than just kind of spamming the base game stuff. Yep. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of a pretty large game that we've played. Uh, used to be a s- small, reasonable game. Now it's a large and reasonable game. <laughs> what else have you played <laughs> recently? Uh, speaking of uh, of large, unreasonable game, <laughs> actually, um, I just played uh, Teotihuacan, 
City of Gods with the latest expansion module set. Um, and we actually, I think, played with almost all of the modules in this one nice. game. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like a three hour game, um, <laughs> which, but I uh, just full disclosure up front, I really enjoy the game and have fun playing it. I know Haristo doesn't share that sentiment. Um, but so I won't go into all the details of what Teotihuacan is. Uh, you can kind of go look that up, but I'll kind of talk about the expansion that we played, but basically the game is a big rondelle system and your dice are your kind of workers going around the rondelle and you use your dice to do actions on one of i think eight spaces on the board and the more dice you have on a location the better your action can be uh what this set of modules adds is one of the things is um a wild resource uh, obsidian, which is um, actually a historic thing, uh, because the in in around the Teotihuacan area, um, the it, it was really valuable to mine obsidian out of these uh, out of the earth, and so it was a kind of a currency, and so they've brought that in as a wild resource. Um, so that's just one of the modules is adding an additional t resource type that is wild. Um, another module type a module is the shamans. So what this does is it adds four spaces that go in between uh, some of the action tiles. And you have a module, uh, uh, sorry, a shaman meeple that moves counterclockwise on those spaces. And what the shaman does is uh, on each of those spaces between the action tiles, there are two shaman spots and each of the shaman spots points to one of the tiles next to it. And if your shaman is standing up, when you use the main action tile next that it's pointing to, the shaman acts as uh, like a virtual die. So you get a die boost using the shamans. And when you move your shaman to uh, one of the shaman spaces, there's also bonuses associated with it, um, usually getting uh, obsidian or or you can get what are called these uh, I think master discovery tiles or whatever uh, marvelous discovery tiles or whatever they're they're, they're bigger discovery tiles uh, basically the tiles in the base game that where you collect your masks there are larger versions of those in this expansion that kind of offer uh, even more benefits um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, another module replaces the um, the action tile that allows you to build the houses for the Avenue of the Dead. Um, so it's a conquest map, and basically what you're doing is you're sending warriors out from Teotihuacan into the surrounding regions, and then you build settlements in those regions and so that's where the the white houses are going um and when you build houses in those regions you get benefits and um if you have warriors on that map they're worth points during the uh, eclipse scorings um and let's see what's one of the other modules uh you get some more priests and priestesses uh to use i'm probably forgetting one of the expansions uh but anyway uh yeah 
I think if you play with every single expansion available for Teotihuacan, it's just a bloated behemoth um, because the base game is already pretty big and takes a while to play. <laughs> and then just like adding a bunch of modules into it um, is pretty nuts. But I will say that just the design behind this game is just remarkable. Uh, even with all of the expansions, everything just seems to work so well and it's a big heavy game but i have fun playing with it and uh this last play in particular we just had some really fun moments uh one of our one of our friends uh made a joke about so there's this you know the technology board um there was a technology tile out that is kind of engine building whenever you use one of the uh, a certain number of the other tiles you get an added bonus bonus and his joke was uh see this this technology is so cool because you forget to use it <laughs> and sure <laughs> enough he he forgot to use it and i forgot to use it and so it's just uh you know you know because there's so many pieces and moving pieces to keep track of um but i i have fun every time i play this game uh but i i know you're not so fond of it so yeah. maybe we'll just move on <laughs> no it's fine I, I can understand that the game is okay for people who like that kind of stuff uh, i was expecting it to be basically like tolkien 2 which maybe was the mistake because by the same designer i think and kind of very inspired by that game in a lot of ways uh but i don't know it's a rondelle but is it really a rondelle i don't know because rondelles to me are very predictable and they kind of slow you down from what you can do and that's some of the reason why the rondelle exists but uh the thing that i'm not super huge fan of is the basic core mechanic of the game in teotihuacan which is if you go somewhere you pay a penalty basically if there's other people there which to me is kind of not really that great i mean in tolkien if you go somewhere and there's people there you do pay a penalty and effectively effectively but you get to do a more powerful action and Teotihuacan I think you just basically pay a penalty which is like a coffee which is a resource and that's like the core mechanic of the game is kind of figuring out actions that people kind of really don't want but you can make work better <laughs> or just have more cocoa <laughs> or just have more cocoa and figure out a way to make it i guess so you can deal with that problem uh that's another solution to it uh the other thing i was not a huge fan of is like major square mechanic is the pyramid and the pyramid seemed kind of random i don't know if the expansions diversify that but sometimes it's like obvious that you should do it and someone's ready in position to do it sometimes it's not obvious you should do it but it's time because like the rondelle like it's time for me to do this even though it's not great I, I'm doing it right now because it's like basically based on how many dice you have there so you can't like delay and just be like okay I'll do something else to pass the turn and something else flips over uh, anyway it's 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 a little weird um, I'm also not just a huge fan of the visual look of the game I guess um, just kind of whatever but it's it's fine um, I just kind of like it's one of those games where like mechanically it works pretty well I think but I don't know if I get too much enjoyment out of playing it for some reason I don't know why but it's just good that's kind of what it feels like to me but uh, yeah, if you actually... like if you like heavy euros you should definitely check it out it's uh reasonably well designed i think uh, from what i've seen even though like uh with some of the technologies in particular or like some combinations in the game i've seen some really like explosive ridiculous games with people that just kind of 
did the combo of technologies and the strategy that that game offered and just scored like 100 points over the next person so anyway yep yeah um that's definitely possible just because of the variability of the setup some combinations of technologies will be really awesome some combinations won't be so awesome i will say that what the expansions offer is i guess more diversified paths to scoring so it's not necessarily that you have to do one thing in order to to like be in the running um i i think the expansions just offer a lot of depth for doing different things yeah uh it was interesting again when that happens it's always a question of like is this character better than another one but at least i like the expansion where again the first one was asymmetric starting leaders or whatever they're called uh so you're better at something than someone else and basically that kind of hints at a strategy that you should go for in the game which again compared uh combined with the technologies that are on the board maybe one character is better than the other i don't know if there's like a the bidding variant for those officially uh, i know in some of the games like um, Matt or whatever was unofficially proposing bidding for those characters, but probably not in the game you played. Yeah, no, not in the game we played, but I do think that um, if you're playing with people who are kind of familiar with the game and, and can appreciate um, the, some how of the to, broken combos. Yeah, how to, how to exploit things, I think it does yeah. make sense to have sort of bidding for the for the different player powers yeah but those kind of games when there's an asymmetric powers are always kind of like that when they're euros sometimes like something is the combination of some things is just too powerful and i guess either other players try to stop it or not yeah so, i mean yeah. for sure because it just the the way the the game the setup is so variable that um your asymmetric player power could be awesome in one game and just okay yeah. in another game depending on tile positions people choices technology yep. a lot of things yep exactly so yeah, yeah but this it's, is it's a, a it, it's a fun game uh, overall um, if you like kind of more chessy i think it's basically perfect information as well uh, game other than the pyramid flips <laughs> that i was mentioning yeah and then there's the decoration tiles that flip oh, as well also and, flip, yep. and the discovery tiles that i mean you can see them while they're on the board but when you take one a new one will pop out but yeah every stack of discovery tiles on the temple tracks and things are all just you can look at what's there and go for it so um yeah i think this is kind of one of my top 10 games uh really have fun playing it every time um wow so take that cool <laughs> uh anyway that's two two con with Tolkien the is be- Tolkien was better i actually really like <laughs> Tolkien too that's that's also in my top 10 so uh yeah. but yeah so this was the the expansion period expansion <laughs> so there you go yeah, it's kind of funny. It's called the expansion period expansion. But yeah, yep. Uh, speaking of large, ridiculous games that we've been playing, I guess there's been a lot of those. Um, I've been going to this like Wednesday meetup, and we've been playing some really ridiculous games lately. I was just kind of not really talk about the games because I think we've talked about them before. Just kind of going back to some games revisiting old large games so over the last three weeks we played Gaia Project, Terra Mystica and Underwater Cities which is quite the combo there Um, the joke there was that 
well, other than a game of really long-term Mystica with having to explain rules over and over to people who are kind of new to board gaming, uh, the rules for Gaia, the ex rules explanation for Gaia Project was literally like an hour, I think, last week. So very boring. I started kind of showing up late to those meetups because I know the rules and it's like basically I'm sitting there reading other rules for other games from their demo library while, while they're explaining rules. <laughs> it's a good opportunity but, to study. <laughs> yeah, but it's like literally an hour to explain Gaia projects and then one of the tables uh, was still going when we were packing up at like 9.30 or something. Uh, so yeah, the quite quite crazy games uh it was fun to go back to uh those games though i think they're all really good gaia project and terra mystic are kind of the same game to me uh gaia project feels like an expansion to terra mystic really uh it's a little bit different i guess with like spacing of the hexes which actually changes the whole feel of the game but ultimately it feels it very feels... very very similar yeah it, it kind of feels like a second edition almost yeah, uh, if you are more hard hardcore, I think you should play Terra Mystica because it's more blocky, because there's less space to escape and do things in general. So if you like the more hardcore aspect of the game, Guy Project's kind of a little bit more open that way, but uh, it has additional things to think about, so it's larger. Um, uh, but we've talked about them plenty before. It definitely should be on your like must-play-now list if you like Euro games in general. I think they're like the quintessential like Euro game. Uh, basically, like the most German you'll ever get, other than Hans Teutonica, probably, in my opinion. Like that's like the definition of Euro games. Uh, underwater <laughs> they're cities. French games, though. <laughs> are they? I, I don't think know. the designer. Oh, maybe not. No, actually. I think no. I think the designer is actually German, or maybe not. But the reason the expansion is in French, or like printed in English and French, is I think because of Canada. Oh, I think it's like right. a yeah. Canadian distribution because uh, Quebec. I don't know why, but they, I guess, printed the same box probably for all of North America. And I guess if you're like in Mexico, deal with it or whatever. Yeah, Latin America. those designer names look German to me. But yeah, they're, they they should be pretty German because <laughs> the game feels very German. Uh, that's kind of funny. But yeah, uh, Underwater Cities, um, I'm still on the fence of that game after playing it like five times now uh, with expansion, without expansion, whatever. Uh it's a pretty cool game, very thinky and everything, and we actually played it pretty quickly. Uh, I was expecting this drawn-out, bloated game of uh, underwater cities, but we actually took some pretty fast actions, I feel, in the game that we played. Um, I feel like there's a strategy which is basically build a lot of green stuff that if people like don't block you, which is hard to do in that game if you don't have the right cards, can be really explosive because that's like basically the point generation part of the game and you basically get points and you get some really nice benefits out of those. Uh, and also there's some card luck, which I still, like I say, after all those games, I'm not sure I'm a super huge fan of. A lot of people compare it to Terraforming Mars to me, not so much. I think it's, I don't know, uh, it's different. It's Terraforming Mars, yeah, with like engine and slow burn development in some ways. But the whole point of Underwater Cities is worker placement. It's basically a worker placement game, and it's pretty hardcore worker placement game because 
uh, you should really think about what action to do first because of sequencing and what resources you want to have available for building actions because engine things are connected to it. And also because of, again, the cards, because you can go to a space which has a color and if you have the a color of a card of the same color, you can do also the card. Otherwise, you just can't do the card, which is really bad. So your cards kind of limit you where you can go with uh, the worker placement aspect, which is the controversial part for me i'm not sure if i like that because basically the cards i draw dictate the game i play <laughs> to, to a large extent yes there are some decisions like which card i play because there's three cards that you're holding but sometimes they're all like the same color and it limits you and yeah anyway that's it's it's an interesting game uh but it is kind of again if you like resource conversion it's a very advanced i'd say resource conversion game with a lot of thinking planning and um, interesting decisions um feels very like uh, kind of like i say slow burn development kind of like terraforming mars even though terraforming mars you produce kind of every uh the rounds in underwater cities you produce every three rounds kind of so you basically produce three times per game actually exactly so it's even slower <laughs> it's very very deliberate uh very deliberate uh, development game you start very slow and then you get some more resources you just like just try to push up a little bit i guess the final like production is pretty awesome however you don't get to play the game after that so that's when you're done with the game so um <laughs> you just like yeah. produce all this stuff and you're like yay and you get some points for it at least so that's nice <laughs> yeah. gold, gold <laughs> star yeah um Trevor still haven't, hasn't played it, even though I think you have it, right? Yeah, it's been sitting on my shelf staring at me for a couple months. Yeah, we should play it. It's actually not hard to explain to people who play games, I think. It's a little bit hard to explain to people who don't play games because there's a lot of kind of like this has to happen first. This only can happen when this happens, but I think you'll get it pretty quickly. There's some iconography, but it's it's pretty like straightforward. I'm, I'm not scared of explaining that game. I'm definitely scared of explaining like Gaia Project more than explaining uh, under, Underwater Cities, to yeah. be, even to people who have played board games before. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'm on a, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I'm on a quest to play all Alexander Pfister games. I'm also on a quest to play as many uh, Vladimir Suki games that I can. And so this yep. one's on the list. Speaking of which, I still need to play Shipyard. Um, I've had it for years, many, many years. It's uh, still sitting there. Probably I think that's like Rado's favorite out of print and probably valuable but whatever i don't care it's just yeah, shipyards. Very, very out of print <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i don't know i think his early games are not that good from what i've seen he kind of got better over the years um i really like pulsar i think that's like the best dice drafting game pretty much out there ever especially the dice drafting mechanisms like basically every complaint i ever had about dice drafting is basically solved by the dice drafting system that he invented for that game which is kind of amazing but i think his earlier games are less 
less cool, I guess I should say. I looked at kind of some reviews of some earlier ones. I think there's he did an auction in game around 2010 or something. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, some people are less than impressed about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I've heard good things about Chipyard, though, but I'm not expecting it to be like amazingly awesome considering it's also re really kind of early. But yeah, yeah, he's a cool designer. I'm definitely look forward to anything new that he releases for sure. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? I don't know. Yeah. Nope, that's it for me. Uh, so let's move on to our topic today. Burnout. Uh, so what do you think of when you... When you say when you think of burnout, Risto, <laughs> this is we're gonna uh, dig deep here. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I kind of half jokingly suggested this topic because uh, there's just something that's been on my mind lately. I don't know if it's because I'm getting burnt out with like life and just games and everything in general or not. But to me, it's kind of like I don't know. Maybe having too much of something. <laughs> whether it's work or even games or is like something that's fun like i think if you have if you do too much of it whatever that means to you um kind of starts becoming less fun maybe <laughs> yeah uh, so exactly. that's that's definitely what i what i think about when i hear burnout is just uh, too much of something it it can even be a positive thing like usually positive or whatever like i feel like if you just like don't diversify and keep life interesting for yourself you're uh, gonna feel it maybe yeah well that, that definitely happens and, and burnout can be periodic as well um i remember i had a, a la at the end of last year my my job got really crazy and i was working nights and weekends like all of december and i would say i had periodic burnout where i was just like dad I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> you yeah, know, or so you just kind of sit and stare at the wall and just yeah. like, what am I doing? <laughs> Question your life decisions. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's in, so, you know, I think it's pretty easy to think of that happening in the context of like work, you know, if you have a really demanding job or just a, a period of work that's just really demanding and takes a lot of time and effort, um, you can kind of get tired of it if you, don't take a break and, like you said, diversify. Uh, but it's a little interesting to think of this happening with a hobby, which is supposedly something we do because we have fun doing it and and playing it. So, I guess what does it what does it mean for you if you if you might be experiencing burnout in, uh, for example, playing tabletop games? Uh, what does it mean to me? I don't know. Um, it kind of goes back to I think we're we had this topic a while ago like two years ago now one year ago um i think brandon was suggested it or i can't remember actually but uh i think the topic was like why do you play board games <laughs> so some people play to have fun uh some people play for like the challenge or to win or whatever uh because they're good at it some people just like spending time with people so like People just have like all kinds of different motivations, I think, for for board gaming. So 
I don't know. It kind of goes back to that as well. I guess, why would you feel burnout with board gaming? I think maybe if you're taking them seriously, which maybe is the case with me sometimes. <laughs> or too seriously, I guess I should <laughs> no, say. No, I've never uh, seen you take a board game seriously. <laughs> maybe like the competitive aspect of them as well. But yeah, no, I think uh, maybe that's it. Maybe like the just kind of recalibrating and trying to have fun with with games um rather than being too competitive with them or something or about them i don't know if that makes sense yeah because i was i was thinking about this and i don't know if i've um ever reached the point of burnout with um with games but i i was thinking about it and um you know, sometimes you're not in the mood to play a particular type of game. So maybe that's a form of burnout. And so I was thinking, well, how are the ways we deal with this? So we don't burn out on our hobby. And so, so it stays fun. And to your point, you know, maybe if you're playing a lot of really heavier competitive games and you're starting to realize you're not having as much fun, maybe it's time to to play Go some back to lighter games <laughs> yeah maybe it's time to just like take a break and play some lighter games or even try a co-op game you know diversify what you're playing so that you can still enjoy the experience of it and and not kind of be discouraged by the whatever funk you might be in yeah it's actually been kind of interesting uh speaking of which i've played a ridiculous amount of beyond the sun over the last well whenever i can really it's like whenever someone pops up uh on board game arena uh and yeah it kind of gets a little crazy with like i don't know it's like a roller coaster and i think everyone kind of goes through the same thing uh you lose you have like a, a losing streak of like two games or something or three games and you're just like i don't know <laughs> what, what am i, am <laughs> Do I, I even like this <laughs> yeah am, should i even be doing this or should i just like quit and <laughs> <laughs> do something else <laughs> and i think it's the same thing with like sports or just anything really like your job or something if you have like a lack of success with something or whatever it's just kind of you start to question yourself but then you have a good time again and you're just like okay well whatever so it's kind of like this process of i don't know just kind of uh, developing a good attitude i guess about playing a game over and over but uh to your point i think maybe the healthier thing to do is and that's actually the reason why i like playing a variety of games is i kind of like uh not to focus on the same thing over and over because other than the boredom that comes with it i feel like basically i have the expectation of like doing better the next time <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. with with games in general so like if i play five five times the fifth one should theoretically be the best time then like score and everything that the game i've ever done right but, yeah, it's not, but maybe it's, not <laughs> it's not the way it works out in board gaming and unfortunately the games can be like interactive so maybe it's caused by someone else <laughs> yeah anyway all those things can happen but yeah i think diversifying if you want to keep playing board games the other alternative is just to do something else <laughs> just take a little break which is a perfectly valid thing to do um is to i think diversify and just like move on to something else play a co-op play some lighter game just kind of have more have some fun um are you are you telling me you're taking a break from beyond the sun uh no actually not from beyond the sun but uh no 
<laughs> not, not really. I was going to give an example of, uh, well, Jacob, he was on the podcast. Uh, I think he's a good example of kind of like, I don't know if for him it's because he gets burnt out or whatever, but uh, he kind of takes a break from gaming once in a while. So like he's really into board games and then he's kind of not for a while, but then he's really into board games again. So <laughs> I think if that works for you, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to keep playing games if you don't like it. So yeah, just kind of keep it real, I guess, and do whatever yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I think you just keep it, you know, have an honest conversation with yourself or even with your friends like we're doing right now. Just kind of talk about, well, why why do I play games and why am I not having such a great time <laughs> lately? And then just kind of identify ways that you can change that. If you're if you're getting upset because you're losing a game a lot, maybe <laughs> maybe don't play that game for a minute. Go try something else or do something else entirely. Like, I don't know, yeah. go outside, read a book. I think it's not run. usually it's not really connected to like a particular game maybe it is maybe it isn't it's more like I don't know like a chain of events <laughs> yeah and you could just kind of be in a mood um yeah. so find some way to break the cycle but uh definitely I, or I would just kind of like a state of mind I think I'd say yeah. in general yeah maybe maybe don't like double down and try to fix it by <laughs> you know hammering through the same thing uh, over and over again um but find find a way to kind of change it up a little bit and deal with it. And if you need to take a break from whatever it is, then then take a break. Or as we were talking about it right before the podcast, buy a motorcycle. That's a way to deal with burnout. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I highly I recommend know. it. <laughs> uh, I'll see if I recommend it someday. I'm entertaining the thought. So, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I think like everything else too much of anything even if, if a good thing is bad <laughs> if that makes sense so i think like having a good balance yeah. i think in, in general if things is, is healthy yeah just kind of have a uh, balanced life you know even even if you love games board games you know as much as some of us do uh maybe uh, reserve one or two days a week <laughs> for other things that are not board gaming or work, you know, just kind of keep your life balanced and then hopefully you don't burn out. And if you do feel burnout, just deal with it Yeah, uh, in a sort of honest way with yourself and, and others, I think is probably the best way. Yep. Anyway, kind of a weird topic is just something that was kind of on my mind lately. Thanks for, for whatever uh, reason. dropping into the carbs, cards and cubes uh, therapy session. Yep. Uh, this is Haristo's on the uh, Beyond the Sun therapy couch. <laughs> <laughs> the be Beyond the Sun rehab area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, we I'm curious. Uh, are, are you comfortable sharing how many times you've played Beyond the Sun now? Oh, it's it's actually not that pathological. But I mean, like in the sh in the time that I've uh, played it, I probably if I didn't have to work, I'd probably play more. <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know. It's probably like one fifty ish or something. It's actually not that much. Um, I'm actually logging in to check as we're talking. Uh, it's not even like maybe how many times 
I've really played Beyond the Sun or any other game or whatever. I think it's like I was uh, saying, uh, the expectation of maybe like trying to do better than the last time all the time and just kind of like maybe hitting a wall or uh whatever and i think that's like i say very common in like sports or just kind of when you're trying to be competitive with something and i think you eventually kind of develop a good attitude about it or to hopefully overcome the wall um but yeah i'm still logging in to check how many times i've played oh it's only 168 that's not that much only 168 <laughs> it's times it's not that bad <laughs> I think I've in, played in it a like ten of times. Or yeah, no, it's probably been more than a couple of months. I think like four months since I started playing. I can't remember when the first first game Salt I played Con. was. Right before no, SaltCon, it wasn't SaltCon. Oh yeah, it was right. Yeah, yeah, it was actually preparing for SaltCon. When was that? I can't remember. It was some kind of a holiday. I can't remember what the holiday um, was. Not Labor Memorial Day. Day. Was Memorial Day. Yeah. When when is Memorial Day? Like May. In end May. Of May june july august september four months yeah like 40 games per month pretty much one every day you're, on average yeah you're yeah, averaging more than bad. one a day <laughs> it's not that bad oh actually like i don't know in board game arena terms i don't consider that bad because um it's really impressive actually like talk about burnout i have no idea how people like that exist but i was looking at just like random tournaments and stuff and who won for example the race for the galaxy tournament to another game which i obsessively play uh kind of also lately as well but the person who won the tournament played like uh, played race for the galaxy 26,000 times and even what? if they signed up for board game arena in like 2011 or whenever it started i don't know how long the service has been has existed um i was calculating how many times they would have had to play and it was something insane like you'd have to like the considering that the game uh takes on average like seven minutes usually two player games like you can churn through them really quickly on board game arena if you haven't played there like if you played real, real race for galaxy in real life and with more than two people it's a completely different experience on board game arena because two people that you don't have to shuffle cards or deal with physical components you can literally finish a game in like seven minutes on average i think is what i've uh, i was looking at statistics seven or eight minutes or something so i was calculating that they would have had to play like basically the play time of just playing 26,000 games or plus or whatever it was uh was like at eight hours a day it was i think like two years or something which is just insane <laughs> like, wow i don't I know i wonder if they also play like a bunch of a asynchronous plays at the same time as well oh i would not be able to stand that that'd be like a really bad way to play race for the galaxy because i yeah maybe yeah that's I didn't even think about that. But even then, like, who cares? Like, uh, <laughs> I guess you can shorten, actually, the time. I was going to say it takes about the same time because you need to think about it, but you don't have to wait for the other person to think. So, actually, that would cut the time at least in half. Uh, so, you're right. So, maybe that's the way they're doing it. I saw another player who has, like... 19,000 only 90,000 or something oh my I, saw, gosh. I saw them online so they definitely play live uh, but I think you're right maybe that person plays asynchronously like play by mail but uh, it's pretty pathological like it's just crazy like I was just thinking like I feel like I've played that game 
to death like just ridiculous like i basically know it inside and out or whatever and i have only like uh in quotes like a thousand dish games uh between i had an older account and i made a new one so like 26 times that would be just insane <laughs> like i don't i don't even understand so like i don't know i guess i'm not the type of person that can do that but there are some people out there that maybe are just built built That's for playing crazy. the same game over and over more than me i think uh well since i started using the bg stats app the most times I've played any one game is 22 times. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, like I said, real life is different. Like Board Game Arena, for some reason, uh, enables you to kind of churn through games very quickly because it's amazing how fast they go and you just don't have to deal with physical components and the game automates like all the resources and the cubes that you're touching, you know? Yeah. So, and so you know, it's just like the quick. sun might take you like 90 minutes or to two hours in real life, whereas it takes like 30 to 40 minutes in online. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think I clocked like a really fast game of like 23 minutes, two-player game Beyond the Sun or something, uh, which if both people are like proficient at the game, you can definitely do the game in under 45 minutes, like three players, uh, two, maybe even under half an hour. So it definitely speeds things up, but still, like, it's still just like crazy to play that much over and over um, of a single game. So, anyway, yeah, talk about burnout. I can't believe that person is not burnt out on Race for the Galaxy, but I guess also, like, I was just kind of joking, is like, uh, someone should make a documentary about that person maybe it's like really sad though i don't know they're just like doing that like every day and they're like unemployed or something and they're like sitting somewhere just with some computer and just like ah gotta play a race for the galaxy all day long i don't know what the story Probably is like, but, like some <laughs> retired grandma or grandpa <laughs> yeah that's my <laughs> guess uh that'd be kind of, kind of actually really amazingly cool if a retired grandma was like the winner of the race for the galaxy tournament <laughs> For, with 26,000 <laughs> yeah. plays, I'd be kind of <laughs> really amazed. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, I was thinking about like they should make a documentary about these people because this it's like such a weird thing it's this really like niche thing that no one really cares about the board game designers wouldn't be recognized really anywhere other than some very particular places where they might go the game stores or whatever if you played race for the galaxy twenty six thousand times like who cares you know but it's like kind of like a being a champion at like chess or something you know yeah it gets to that kind of level of just commitment and craziness so anyway um yeah um there are some people out there who can play the same game over and over more than others i guess <laughs> <laughs> more than others <laughs> that's a yep. that's a nice way of saying 20 something thousand or however many yep <laughs> yeah it's crazy but anyway All i've right. seen so some you... really really high play times on board game arena it's like a yeah. place where addicts to board games go i guess <laughs> yeah uh so are you uh you're not retiring from board games then uh probably not for now <laughs> we'll we'll check I'll, back I'll in find a little a way bit to deal with it yeah <laughs> yeah just suffer through it <laughs> all right well that's our uh that's our topic for today 
Let's uh, talk about some games on our horizon. So I'll kick this off. One game I'm looking forward to is actually currently on GameFound, uh, which is a Kickstarter competitor uh, for crowdfunding. It's called Eleven Football Manager Board Game. This is uh, coming from Portal <laughs> Games. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty unique theme. The You're not playing football but you it's a it's a business simulation economic game where you are the manager of a football club and you um are like recruiting players and kind of positioning them and like having them positioned in in, uh player positions on the field uh you're hiring staff you're upgrading your stadium um it just is a really unique theme and uh, seems cool. I haven't backed it yet because it seems kind of expensive. I think it's like 60 euros and the all-in pledge is like 120 euros, And but it's going to be available in retail, so maybe I'll just wait for retail. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you, have you seen this one? No, but um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting that you found out about it i guess uh because it's about soccer that's why it's called 11 by the way for the u.s yeah. listeners who who, ha- who are not familiar with uh soccer there's 11 players so that's why it's 11 on but the anyway, pitch there's uh there was a very like iconic i think very popular around europe which also by the way fifa is like huge which is a a soccer game which kind of that thing doesn't exist in north america here i guess here it's like madden really but it's not the same like european fans of soccer are pretty crazy (laughs) so i'm kind of amazed uh... that you that you found out about it and uh you're actually (laughs) interested in it because i would associate this game with like i don't know just some european person that's like huge into soccer or whatever um i was gonna say there's a pc game called uh soccer manager or something which actually looked really interesting and a lot of people were into and i think they developed like a real market with like money or something and like kind of went into gambling gambling territory but um it's a very interesting concept where like you say you're basically managing a soccer soccer club and you're not really playing the game but you can like see simulated games being played then it's kind of interesting like you put together a team give them like strategies or whatever they play out the game and you can see how it's being played but you don't really like play the players like in fifa and madden or whatever yeah so yeah, yeah it, it sounded really cool um it's actually a really cool idea in board game format i just hope they get it right and it's not some kind of a dumb game because unfortunately my experience with sports games has been that i've looked into at least has been that they're really kind of dumb luck ridden roll dice see what happens kind of gameplay style so i hope they actually made something really cool with this one and i think that that is largely the case because when you're if you're trying to like play the actual sport in board game form you have to I guess build in mechanisms for the random variables that can happen during, um, you know, high energy sports. Um, but this is just 
this is board game territory. This is running a business. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I haven't decided whether I'm going to back the project or not. I think it's got like a week left on, on game found. So we'll see. Interesting. I was wondering if it's a first time designer and it's not. However, his previous games are very weird. So I'll yeah, look into I mean, this one actually. It looks like he's like done some a, kind of card games or whatever previously. Yeah, and, and you know it it is d backed and developed by Ignacy Trevichek of of uh, Portal Games. So there's there's the Portal Games team behind the development and stuff on this one. So it it's got it's got a reputable company working with it. Um, but like you said, I I don't know this designer very well. So hopefully it's hopefully it's good. Yeah, I used to actually be a pretty huge Ignacy fan because of 51st State mostly, which I think is definitely still on my top 10 out there. But uh, after like Alien Artifacts and some other games that he's released, I haven't tried Detective, which is his biggest deal. I think First Martians was another big flop. I'm a little bit like more cautious about stuff that Portal is releasing lately, so uh, I don't know. Hard, hardly a mark of quality for me, unfortunately, but <laughs> definitely I'm curious because of the theme, because I think it's a theme that could have a good game built around it. I think it's a really cool theme. Yeah. If it's done right, I just hope it's done right in, in ways. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be taking a closer look at it to see whether it's something that's going to be worth backing um but it it it's a theme that i don't see much of so it's, it seems really cool well the embarrassing thing for me is actually i don't really have anything i'm looking forward to <laughs> part of my burnout is i don't care what games are coming out i've actually been looking at kickstarter uh recently and it's kind of amazing like i don't know they're just i don't know if it's a result of like the late covid effect or gen con or something people maybe don't want to release good games around gen con but like literally for two months i haven't seen really any like worthwhile games that are beyond some kind of like card game or uh like some small abstract game that's what i keep seeing lately i don't know why but like they're just this like draught of large game projects on uh yeah i think kickstarter. it's it's sort of like the kickstarter off season um there's gonna be a couple of really big ones coming next month um i know the next awaken realms game is going to launch soon the next Mind Clash game is going to launch soon. The next Eagle Griffin Vitala Serta game is going to launch soon. Um, in I think all in October. Yeah. Um, I, if there's something that I'm considering buying in the short term, which I've unfortunately talked about before, is uh, 300 Earth, Earth and Water made it to retail. So I... Uh, still want to get it it's this tiny war game basically uh which is just two players 30 minutes just like some kind of a joke uh but it has pretty decent reviews still i was kind of waiting for it to come out and people to say to, to tell me that it's not like complete junk <laughs> which uh that was because the designer i think he's uh, done 
larger board games before just kind of generally much larger war games i think and uh some of them are kind of eh, i don't know if i appreciate the style but uh the reviews still seem pretty decent so i think i'm um probably gonna get it eventually and play it but that's something i've talked about before other than that even the new releases like i was just looking at the shelf and there isn't that much have you heard about actually gen con maybe we should do an episode with like what came out at gen con but anything from gen con really um i i haven't looked at what was announced at gen the only stuff that i um knew was announced kind of advanced of gen con would be the board and dice stuff with like uh, Tabanusi and Zapotec and um, was the founders of of Teotihuacan that type of stuff. But I I I didn't follow whether there were any other like large Gen Con announcements yet. Yeah, usually Gen Con's like a time for a lot of excitement. But I'm looking at the hot list on Board Game Geek, and even there, like unfathomable, still there from a month ago. I think we were talking about it, which is the BSG remake in Cthulhu Realm on a literal ship in the sea. And yeah, just kind of oh, there's a new Azul, yay! Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I excited about Azul? Probably yes, not so much. You actually, have to, you have to be excited for it. It's Azul. It's, it's Azul Four, I think. So yeah. yeah, how how good can it get? I don't know. Yeah. It's basically Azul, I'm guessing. Actually, I don't know. It's it looks kind of different but is it really i don't know i think uh, the defining element of azul is the drafting so they probably maintain the drafting uh, it looks like there's some kind of towels connected with the uh, i mean paper towels connected with the pl- pl- plastic whatever it's called not plastic uh, ceramic towels that you're drafting so it looks interesting but like i mean it's it's azul like yay. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> we're not the type of people I think to be super excited about Azul anyway. Yeah, it, it's fun enough to play as kind of a filler game or, or with people who don't play games as much. It's it's kind of approachable. Um, funny enough, the other game I'm looking forward to um, and which I believe arrives on Friday is called Furnace. Um, mm. This is um, a new game published at least in the States, I think by Arcane Wonders. Um, it's it's an engine-building game. The theme is your 19th century capitalists uh, basically just like manipulating the market to grow your business. Uh, but uh, the way the game is set up is um, so everybody's got these colored discs of one, two, three, four, with the numbers one, two, three, four on them, and one being the smallest size disc and four being the largest size disc. And the game is kind of engine building and and, and bidding. Um, so in each round, a certain number of cards are going to be flipped over, and these are going to be industry cards that have benefits and engine aspects to them. I think semi-multi-purpose cards. And you just go around it bidding on these different cards. And ultimately, whoever places the largest disc on a card will take the card and the largest disc goes on the bottom. But everybody above that card will, or above the largest disc. So like if you played your one on a card and then somebody else played their three on that 
card, the person with the three will get to take the card, but the person, you know, if you played your one, you still get to activate a benefit from that card equal to the number that you assign to that card. Um, and then after you finish that bidding phase, you do a production phase. So you can like run your engines and, and do things. So it's, it seems kind of like a fun card game. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays. So, and it was, uh, it was on sale. So I, even though it's brand new. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, well, I mean, it was, was on sale on one of those online retailers that just doesn't sell at MSRP. So I was going to say, uh, I'm concerned because Russian designer and yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, knew you'd I have, say I have that. reservations about <laughs> Russian designers. And sure enough, it's the same guy as Smartphone Inc., which actually wasn't bad in any way. So it's fine, I guess. I'm actually kind of interested. It looks uh, there hasn't been an auctioning game that's been worth mentioning for a while that I can think of anyway. Lately, it seems all about like deck building and worker placement and resource stuff. So uh yeah i will check it out especially if you got it i'm curious uh how it plays because yeah it's it sounds like uh, basically auction compensation for if you didn't get the, if you didn't win the auction which sounds interesting to me but then whoever won the auction won, won the engine so i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah but i mean you'll you'll everybody wins a card everybody's a winner yeah, everybody wins a card. It's just <laughs> depending on which card you get and do you get more than one <laughs> yeah, one card. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I was yeah. going to say for auctioning games recently, we've also played Knit of Valir. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of one of those games where I don't know if it's part of burnout topic, but like I played, what is it, like 20 games of it, and then I currently kind of don't feel like playing it i don't know why this is why just, we need to take bga away from yeah, you yeah <laughs> maybe be, be, because i didn't even get to the expansion but like at some point i was just like i don't know it's kind of the same game and i'm not really discovering anything uh in it and it just kind of is like yay i don't know uh maybe the expansion will change things around but yeah <laughs> all right we'll when, see when, how it goes when new games come out that we need to play i'm gonna <laughs> we, forbid we, you from playing it on bga you have to, you have to ban bga for those games yes <laughs> so yes I don't, I don't so doesn't go out and play like... play the game like 50 times <laughs> yeah maybe that's the key yeah just not going on bga <laughs> that's that solves that's, all the problems that, yeah that's the solution to not burning out don't play online <laughs> uh speaking of which i guess I'm not really looking forward to it, but just as a news item, as I was clicking around uh, Andreas Sorendal for Cooper Island uh, to, like, forgot who the designer was. Uh, apparently, they're reprinting La, La Granja in a deluxe master set, which, I don't know, that's one of the board of board and dice announcements supposedly yeah. um not really a game i enjoyed the first time but i guess if you're looking for it i probably is out of print at this point uh there it's coming in a better edition so you can wait until it's probably going to be on kickstarter next year it looks like yeah um, and those deluxe versions from board and dice are also notoriously difficult to get outside of the kickstarter so if you if you don't get it in the kickstarter you're 
surprise, you're also not going to be able to get it, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But it's kind of an interesting game, I guess. Uh, it's, in it's interesting because it has multi-use cards and it kind of plays a little bit, feels to me a little bit like... Uh, Gosh, Sierra West, Sierra West, uh, because the card system, same similar thing. You like tuck cards underneath your board and you're covering up different portions of the card. So you're holding cards which might do different things depending on how you tuck them around your board. Uh, what I didn't really appreciate about the game was there's kind of a take that element uh, or they call it like I think I've seen it as the impulse system, uh, which is the same as Luna. Basically, there's these numbered places and you can get kicked out by someone going to a high your number place yeah you can see it coming but it kind of felt like basically take that <laughs> which which uh, and like attacking people in, in some way you know which is kind of weird in that kind of game so i'm not sure if i appreciated it but a lot of people really like it um it's like a revered game i guess from olden times of 2014 apparently so old that it needs a reprint next year so yep yep I've seen that one floating around and um, probably will not be participating in the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, personally, I don't like it enough to buy, but I guess if you're a fan of it and are looking for it, don't buy the old edition. Unless you want to. Then do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the art got upgraded. I actually kind of like the art of the old edition. It's nice and peaceful in contrast to the uh, trolley game that's the kick-out game in the middle that's happening. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that'll be an episode. Did you have anything else? No, I think that's it. Yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee, that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E -E. We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks.